You ever feel like there's a weight on your back? I mean, there's just something and it's just following you everywhere you go. It's just like it's dragging this thing along with you. Ever feel like that? We had New Year's just the other day. And on New Year's, or as we prepare for New Year's, a lot of people are going to New Year's resolutions. Anybody ever do those? Uh, a bunch of liars in here, I'm telling you. Everybody does New Year's resolution, if not every year, at least occasionally, we do those things. And what are the New Year's resolutions? Well, let's see. We'll, we'll pay our taxes this year. Well, no, no, that's not one. Um, I, let's see, I'm, I'm going to treat people better. I am going to, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, start losing a little bit of weight. I'm going to learn something new this year. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to do something like that. I'm going to get organized because last year uh, was just not so good as far as that was concerned. The number one um, of, the, of the New Year's resolutions, the number one thing in America, and it's been the number one thing for several years now since they started keeping these facts. Guess what that is? No, no, it's not go to church. That's not, that's not one. Um, it is to spend more time with my family and friends. That's what it, said, that's what it is. So if that is the New Year's resolution that is, that is most predominantly chosen, then obviously that's, that must be very significant, right? What about as Christians? Do we have the same list as, you know, I need to get rid of a couple pounds, I have to stop smoking, I have to stop... You know, do, do we go on that same list as well? Or do we have other types of resolutions? The answer that I would give you for that is that I've found that for most, most Christians that we put on the top of our list a desire to get to know God more. Agreed? I either want to get to know God more or I want to give myself more to God. That is typically what we would choose. Today, then, I want to share with you kind of my New Year's resolution sermon. And that is a look, a look behind us some, but also that we start looking forward to our future. We ask ourselves then, if we want to make resolutions, how do we succeed with those? How do we make the changes? How do we follow through? Anybody ever golf? Ever golf or play tennis? Okay? For golfers, you, if you go out there and you just don't play very much, you always either hook it this way or you slice it that way, right? And in order to figure out how not to do those things, you have to spend some time out there. Well, also, people who are much better at golf than I am, I'm, I'm a shade tree golfer, okay? I can go out there and hack, it, hack that thing every once in a while, but not really good. People who are much better at golf than I am say that what you have to do is focus on the follow-through. It's not just hitting the, so, hitting the, the ball solid, but it is the follow-through. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today as well. If you would, in your Bibles, turn with me to Judges chapter 6. I must be a visitor or something because, you know, that was only half-hearted. Let me try that again. Hold on. I'll I'll adjust this a little bit. Okay, now now I'm ready to listen. Okay. Would you turn to Judges chapter 6 with me? 
Outstanding, outstanding. You know, before, most preachers, when they start, they'll start with a joke or something. And my, uh, my family told me that I was not supposed to do a joke. I don't know exactly how to interpret that. It might be something like this. While I was deployed last time, uh, I am an active duty Army chaplain. I was deployed to Iraq about a year ago. And while I was gone, the, um, the pastor or the, the children's pastor changed back at the home church uh, in Colorado Springs. And one day, my wife asked one of my daughters, I'll leave, her, uh, I'll leave the name anonymous other than it's H.J., if you can figure that out. Anyhow, um, my, my, my wife asked my daughter, well, what do you think of the new guy? And my daughter said, well, he reminds me a lot of Daddy. My wife says, okay, okay, I guess that's pretty good, but what is it? And she said, my daughter said, well, he tells lots of jokes, and he's the only one who thinks he's funny. <laughs> I'm telling you, out of the mouth of babes, right? Out of the mouth of babes. I believe if we want more from God, that we need to get acquainted with Him. We need to, get, we need to introduce ourselves to Him and let Him introduce Himself to us. Or himself to us. If, we, if we do not know God, if we have not accepted Christ as our Savior, Scripture says that we are enemies with God. Now, I know what enemies do. Enemies look to undercut you, push you down, hold you back. Just, they, they look to do anything they can to make your life miserable. That's what enemies do, right? If we don't accept Christ, we're his enemies. So why would God want to work on our behalf? Why? He wouldn't. Now, I believe that he, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So in some general sense, he loves all mankind. But it is very different to be one of his children and one of the others. Recognize that? We good with this? Okay, so how do we get introduced with God? There's a story, that one in Judges chapter 6. It's actually Judges 6 and 7. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but we're going to walk through this story together. And it goes through this process that I'm going to talk about. It starts with an introduction. Now Gideon, he was alive in a time when, it, when the Israelites, because of their sinfulness, they were oppressed by these people that were around them, the Midianites, the Amalekites. Now these people, actually, the Israelites, they were homeless you see, they had been so overwhelmed by the other people that were around them that they, that they had to go and hide out in the caves because there was nowhere else that was safe. In fact, even the fact that they would live was an uncertainty. In great desperation, having nowhere else to turn, guess what they did? Judges chapter 6, verse 6 if you'll read that along, I'm reading from the New King James Version, Judges 6, verse 6. It says this. I'm going to read verse 1, actually, too. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Enemy, friend of God. Which one? Hmm. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them to the hands of the Midians for seven years. They were in dens, caves, they were in mountains. Everything was going poorly for them. In verse 6 then, it says this. 
So Israel was in great, or greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now I have a question for you. Why do people wait to the very end till, till everything is done and they're just sitting there going, oh no, I don't have any other choices. Oh no, well who else can I get to help me? And then the light goes on and they say, well maybe, maybe I'll ask God for help. Now nobody else, I'm, I'm sure I'm talking to one of those other churches, right? Or those people that don't go to church who do that. I'm certainly not talking to any of us in here. Because we've all learned that we're children of God and all we've got to do is ask. Hey God, may I? And if, if, it's appropriate, if it's appropriate and helpful for us, then God will take care of our needs. Scripture, New Testament tells me that God will provide all of my needs. Not my wants. Not my wants. He will provide all of my needs according to His riches and glory. Sounds to me like He... Like he will take care of us. You know what that word all means? I looked up that word all in the Greek, and you know what it means? It means all. It means, it's not like this water. That water is half full. I'm kind of getting thirsty. It is, it is completely different. It is all, everything, all-encompassing, all, all, all. And I didn't even, I don't think I would have really had to look that up in the Greek to figure that one out. You see, I believe that what's happening here with Gideon is a good example of the, tra- of the transformation process that happens in us today. Move on a little bit further to verse 12. And what happens here is Gideon, Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, if you know anything about that, I'm not going to go deep into this, but it is... A wine press is much different than a threshing floor. A threshing floor is where, is where you go with the wheat and you, the, the wheat stalks, and you hit the wheat on, on the floor, and it's this big open area, kind of like this platform, big area. And as the wind comes across, the wind pushes away the, the chaff, the stuff that's not the, the kernel, the, that's good for us, okay? The wind pushes away that stuff because the kernel's heavier, and it will stay. Not so. Gideon was in a wine press. He was, he was, as it were, sitting like this, working on his wine, working on his wheat, and he keeps peeking, making sure that the Midianites don't see him. See, the Midianites knew that it was not time to harvest the wine, so they weren't concerned about the wine press, and Gideon was hanging out in there. But he didn't have the wind to push away the chaff. So Gideon's very best efforts to get food for himself to, to survive were actually greatly diminished from, what, from, the, from the full quality of it because he still had all the chaff. It's kind of like you take a bite of something and you go, what was that? That was what they were experiencing. Okay. So here, here is Gideon then working over there. You don't get a real sense that he's Really, really that super, right? Okay. An angel, the, the angel of the Lord comes and visits him in verse 12. And it says, the angel says to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> well, did the angel not know who he was talking to? I mean, that was, that was chicken man over there. 
That guy was, that was scaredy cat, you know. That, that guy did not have the Superman shirt on. He was afraid of everything. And Gideon, I'm sure, I'm sure that this, the angel shows up there. Gideon does not know that this is God at this point because he says, sir. He, he just talks to him casually. At least that's what we get recorded in here. The angel probably scared him unless, unless, unless Gideon saw him coming, but then Gideon probably would have ran away if he would have seen him coming. So there is, there is the angel of the Lord. And he says to him, you great man of valor. Gideon goes, what? Who are you talking to? Do you understand how fearful I am? Do you understand how much anxiety I have? Did somebody come here with you? Who are you representing? You know, he, he keeps going along. Do you understand how much shame and how indifferent? Because it's not like anything can help our situation now. I mean, they're just going to continue to dominate us. You see, there is a, an, a natural progression to hopelessness. Hopelessness comes from doubt, self-pity, feeling, feeling forsaken, isolation, and hopelessness. Let me walk through that again. It's doubt. Well, I'm just not sure if God's going to be able to help me with this. I'm not sure if, I, if I'm going to have enough money to, to pay those bills. I'm, it's doubt. Remember, God said He'll provide all of my needs according to His riches and glory. I don't know why I would ever think that He would not. Self-pity. Oh, poor me, poor me. And continues. I start feeling forsaken. Even Gideon goes that way. If you look in verse 13, Gideon said to the angel, he said, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened? Now, doesn't that sound familiar? Oh, I know, it's not any of us in here. It's those people out there who would say, I can't believe God would let this happen. You know, there are some people sitting even in our churches today who think that once they get God, everything's gravy. Wow. Wow, they need a dose of reality, right? Well, look at Gideon, though. He says what we say. If we don't say it out loud, because maybe we don't want to say it to anybody's face or let anybody know about our doubt or our insecurities, we certainly say it in our hearts. If the Lord is with us, then why would this be happening to me? And then we may even remind God, well, it's not like I've seen any miracles lately. Has the Lord forsaken us, my friends? To exercise or not to exercise? That's really the good question. I believe, just my, just my take on it, I believe that when we go to church, that we are being spiritually fed. And I don't believe it's just at this church. I believe that in most churches, hold on, in most churches, they go, the preacher has prepared themselves, and they're ready to share something. And they give the, they give the people some spiritual food. Agreed? Okay, if I am eating all the time and never exercise, what's happening to me? Now think about that. And I'm not picking on anybody, okay? Just because you're not lean and mean like me. I, if we are not, if we are being fed all the time, but we don't exercise our faith, 
we are still getting spiritually sloppy. We're getting spiritually unfit. And if I'm unfit, then it means that I'm not going to be able to carry much. I'm not going to be able to, to deal with much. Because I, maybe, maybe if, I go, if I just keep eating and don't exercise my faith, down the road what will happen is I'll say, oh, I see that situation. I'm ready to go. But I can't do that anymore. I, I, I wish I could, but now I'm a little old. Now that rucksack's kind of heavy. I, whatever it is, something that I might have been very capable of in the past, I cannot do today. And the only reason for it is because I am unfit. Now, I, I apply that to you, again, as a, as a spiritual principle. To exercise or not to exercise is the question, though, that I give you right here. And here are a couple funny things. Now, you have to laugh at me, not, I'm sorry, with me, not at me. Here's a couple of them. I do not exercise at all because if God meant for us to touch, my, touch our toes, he would have put them further up our body. Okay? I like long walks, especially those that are taken by people who annoy me. I have flabby thighs, but unfortunately, or I'm sorry, but fortunately, my stomach covers them. (laughs) And the last one here is, I joined a health club last year. I spent $400. I haven't lost a pound yet. Apparently, you have to show up. Just doesn't make sense sometimes. You see, God saw past the circumstances in Gideon and he sees past our, our face value in us as well. See, God sees our potential, my friends. You see, you don't know me very much, but actually, I have a desire to get to know some of you. Who is not here for the first time but does not know me? Awesome. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Hi. Hold on, we'll get back to that preacher in just a second. Would you hold that for me? Short answers is all I'm looking for, okay? We've got to get out of here sometime before 5 o'clock tonight, they told me. Hi, what's your name? Daniel Gray. Daniel Gray? Hey, that kind of sounds like, Jan- like Jeff J. That sounds pretty cool. We might be related. Daniel. Maybe. Daniel, where are you from? Virginia. Virginia. Sorry to hear about that, but otherwise we'll just keep on going. Sorry. Are you a soldier? I sure am, sir. Uh, good haircut, good haircut. I think you need it on the sides a little bit, you know, yes, cutting sir, a little absolutely. bit. Been Three on vacation day. a little, huh? Three days. Oh, okay. All right. Tell me a little bit more about you. Who's that, who's that sweetheart sitting beside you there? Uh, this is my fiance, Catherine. Ah, oh, hi, uh, Catherine. Also from Virginia. Cool. There we go. Okay. Um, Daniel, I was just wondering if, since, since we... Burden has been lifted. <laughs> that wasn't my intent, but I'll just leave it that way. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate all that, man. <laughs> Whew. That is heavy. Anyhow, Daniel, I know we just met and everything, but I, have, I just have a question I'd like to ask you. 
can you give me your, uh, do, you, do you have credit cards? Yes, sir. Can you give me the, uh, the numbers on front and, and the pass to, to use that? <laughs> Come on, man. Look, I have the same haircut you do. Um, we can work something out. <laughs> All right, Daniel, I'm not going to put you on the spot any more than that. Thank you. And please give a hand for Daniel. See, Daniel, I didn't know at all. I didn't know him at all. On the other hand, <clears throat> I know Craig Allen. Craig Allen, post! Here. Move. Move, man, come on. Now, I know Craig Allen. He's my buddy. And he trusts me. Front lean and rest position. Woo! In cadence. Exercise. One, two, three, and one. Now keep on going. Get to 50 and then you can stop. No, no, I'm sorry. Stop. Stop. He's still at zero. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Stop and recover. Do you have any credit cards? Uh, yes. Come on. No, don't give me the one that doesn't work. This is a number that I need in order to in order to use this, right? Okay, okay, thanks. Go ahead, go ahead, carry on. Oh, give us a hand for for uh, what's his name, Craig. You see, if we are not acquainted with somebody, we're a little hesitant. Don't worry, I'm going to give him his card back right after I use it to pay for off some of the things that my girls are wanting on. <laughs> okay, if we're acquainted with somebody, we trust them. We have some familiarity with them, and, and we can go a little bit further with them. Actually, I trust Craig so much that he took my three teenage daughters with him back to, back to his house in, in New York last week for Christmas. So I have a great deal of trust for him. And he trusts me quite a bit as well, even though he did give me the card that doesn't even work. You see? Yeah, you're right. I don't look like him. Okay. See, Gideon, after, after the angel spoke to him, Gideon was telling, the, was telling the angel, well, I have... You don't understand where we're at. I mean, we are, the, we are the worst of the worst, and things are really bad for us, and everything is hopeless. And the angel speaks to him again. Gideon comes back with some excuses. And his excuses are, well, you don't understand. I am in the smallest tribe in all of Israel, and I'm the, small, I'm the most insignificant person in my family. Gideon goes, I think you were wanting my brother. Now, that kind of sounds like David, doesn't it? The... the uh, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, comes to, comes to Jesse, the father of David, and he has all these boys uh, standing out there, and they are going to have, they're going to choose from this group right here, the next king. The father lines up his boys, and I mean, they're strong and strapping, and they're just very, very qualified to everything else, and they're just ready. And the prophet goes down the line, and he goes, no, not you, no, 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 and he says, is this all of them? 
Jesse says, no, no, I have this other one, but he's out watching the sheep. What's that sound like? Kind of insignificant. He's just, he's just doing his thing. He's just the kid. He calls him in. He's standing there and Samuel says, this is him. This is him. Insignificant. How many of you feel insignificant? You don't have to raise your hands. I think we all feel insignificant at different parts of our life. We all feel forsaken at different parts of our life. We all feel like when God comes and speaks with us and maybe He doesn't show up like an angel, but he, we feel God speaking to us or we hear Him speaking to our hearts, right? And when that happens, a lot of times when, when He speaks to us, we respond with a, do you know who you're talking to? It, it's just me. Or we come up with some excuse for why God should not choose me. That kind of sounds like Moses, right? No, no, don't choose me. I don't even hardly talk. Uh, uh, oh, wow, wow, I, I kind of, I have stage fright. No, you're going to be the guy, Moses, not your brother, you. My friends, God doesn't make mistakes. And God is not surprised by your situation or your circumstances. Now, granted, sometimes you make bad choices. And what happens there is God goes, okay, <laughs> you made it. You made that bed, you're going to lie in it, is, is this old saying that I know. He's going to take you down the road for a little ways. But it doesn't have to go that far. You see, Scripture tells me that God says to us that He will never leave us, He will never forsake us. Another place in Psalm 37, it says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. You see, hope is what God offers us, right? Hope. And hope is the deliverance from the pit of despair. Satan tries to box us in and say, oh man, <laughs> man, nobody loves you. How could anybody forgive you after that? I mean, I, I couldn't even, for you can't even forgive yourself for something like that. What were you thinking? He boxes you in, imprisons you, gives you no means of escape. What does God do? He walks into that same situation and says, <laughs> wow, made a mess of things there, didn't you? I don't know, is, is it only that God speaks to me sarcastically or is it you too? Can't believe you did that. But let me show you. After, after, he, let, after he leaves me hanging for a little bit and I start wondering, uh, what's going to happen here? He says, let me show you the way out of here. Now, he doesn't just throw the door open up and say, oh, okay, hey, you know, you're good. Just continue on doing business as you were. But he says, here's where you are. That's where I want you. That's where you ought to be. I'm not going to magically put you there. You have, to get, you have to move yourself there. Oh, and by the way, I'm not going to just save you and leave you here. I'm going to walk with you along this way. So God is good to us. He is truly good to us. See, He is in the business of breaking down our shoddy defenses, breaking down our excuses, and helping us to get to know Him. Get to know Him. The second thing then that I, was going to, that I was going to point out here is that we need, to, we need to get out of the old and tear down the altars. <clears throat> now this is a really good time for me to drop my rucksack. There. I'm going to lay that there for a moment. I was just going to drop my rucksack. <sighs> get out with the old... And, and on with the new. we got to tear down our altars, as it were. And you go, okay, what are you talking about here? This is, a, again, back to Gideon. What's going on with Gideon is Gideon says to God, 
or maybe the people in general said, God, help us. God, I want more of you. And God looks down and goes, all right, I'll start with him. So he starts this process. You see, if we want more of God, then what we have to do is we have to look at how full we are. This rucksack, full or empty? Pretty full. Heavy? Man, I'm carrying around a lot of weight. Got to check that thing because those straps aren't supposed to pop like that. Okay, a lot of weight. What happens then is we look at John, John chapter 3, verse 30, and it says that he must increase. What, does that has to, what happens then? If God is going to get bigger in my life, what has to happen on the other side of that is that I must decrease. See, we are, we are as it were, a, a rucksack, okay? And how full we are determines how much of God we can get. If I am that full, well, I guess I have a pocket here. Maybe I can put a little bit. I don't have room for God. And I think that a lot of us as Christians, we bring all of our baggage from the past, all of our junk, good, bad, or otherwise, and we say, oh God, oh I surrender all except this stuff. Please God, you can take any part of me that you want, just leave that part alone. Look at this part. Oh, doesn't that look nice? Pretty wall. We could hang things over there just for you, God. God doesn't get distracted by those things, my friends. We need to destroy the past. Get rid of the past. Now listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, if you'd turn there with me, or it's going to be on the screen here in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Listen to what the, uh, this author says about about carrying weight okay maybe it won't be on screen anyhow here it goes hebrews hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight i.e the rucksack let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us now the sin that so easily ensnares us in uh, different things that I have read, says that there are, two, there are really two reasons or two things that it can apply to. One is that thing that is always, it is my weak spot. It is my Achilles heel. It is a spot that if Satan gets me there, all he has to do is just is put that there and I go, oh, I love gold. Oh, you know, I can't resist. Like cabbage burgers. Oh, like Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. Oh, oh, oh. Uh. Yeah, we, everything else really doesn't matter. See, that's why I can preach today, because the Steelers aren't playing today. So I'm not distracted. Okay? It's, it's that. It's something that is easy for us to, to be distracted by. Or it, is, or it is something... Or it is something else, and I just lost that. I'll come back to it. It is something that grabs us, ensnares us, We just can't get away from it. In Gideon's life, look what happens to him. Judges chapter 6, verse 26. Don't worry, we're not quite 5 o'clock yet, so we're still going. In Judges 6, 26, it says, And build an altar to the Lord, your God, on top of this rock, in the proper place, in proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer the burnt sacrifice 
with the, with the wood of the image that you shall cut down. You see, Gideon was given this responsibility. By God, same angel says, you know what? I, I understand you. We got acquainted with each other. Now we have to get rid of some stuff here. And what we're going to do is we're going to start by removing the altar, the altar which is against God, okay? Opposite of God. Remove that. And it's not just an altar in your house, but it's the one that's built in town. Scripture tells us here that Gideon says, all right, God, all right, I'll do that. Gideon knows that he can't do it all by himself, though, so he gets ten of his servants, ten people that he thinks he has dominance over. And he goes and sneaks out at nighttime because he doesn't want to do it in the day because he doesn't want anybody to know that he, you know, this God thing's happening in his life. He wants to keep it secret. Again, it sounds familiar to me. Not me personally, but it sounds familiar to me that a lot, a lot of Christians think that this is a personal relationship, so it's just between me and God. I don't want anybody else to know. It's just us. I think that is very wrong. I think that's mistaken, the mistake that Gideon made on here as well. Because he was going to do it at night. He was still going to follow God, but because of his fear, he was going to do it at night. He did it at night, and then guess what happened? In the morning, all the people come up and they go, Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it, that the altar is torn down. Who did this? What do you think happens? Some of those same people who helped Gideon went, him, he did it, because they, they didn't want to take any blame for it themselves, but they wanted to get the heat off of them. And so they said, oh, Gideon did it, Gideon did it. The people responded and they said, well, then he has to die. Now you do something for God, anything for God, and what is Satan, our spiritual adversary, going to do? What's he going to do? Anything good you do, he's going to come in and try to undermine you. He's going to come in and try to, try to hurt you, harm you, or to break down whatever filth, faith, I'm sorry, whatever filth is in there and whatever faith has been established. He's going to try to tear you down. That's what happens in Gideon's life here. A di- a, there's a difficulty here with Gideon. And remember the altar. The altar that, to God that was there is actually on the same stone as there was an altar to Asherah. A, a, a God of the day of that day. See, they tore down that altar, put this, put this altar in there, and did the sacrifice according to God's way. As far as God is concerned, my friends, it isn't a, you know, all roads get to heaven. It isn't a, you get saved and you do whatever you want. You go by the book, my friends. You go by this book. And if it's not in this book, don't do it. And you go, what, that's thousands of years old. And for everybody who's been applying the book to your life, you've found that this book suits fine for today, doesn't it? See, the the preacher's responsibility is to take the truths of this book and help you apply them to your life today. That's what our responsibility is. So when you come, and I believe that Pastor Mark is faithful in doing this, But when you come, you're getting good food, you're getting more of God, and we're helping you fill up a little bit. Now talking about the things that are over here, I'm not going to go into a much longer illustration. I'm just going to do it quickly. Here it goes. If you're going to take things out of your rucksack or out of your life, you've got to open it up, right? You don't know what's in there and you go, huh, well, rain suit, I might need that. It's raining outside right now. Huh. Yep, might need that too. I get cold at night, you know. And you go, oh, it's fluffy. 
Oh, uh, I don't think I... Who, uh, who put that in there? <laughs> and then you get down to... What's that doing in there? You have some big things that you are carrying in your life. Matthew chapter 11, I think it's verse 29, says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you, yoke, I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here you are, you're carrying your load. Oh, it's all right, it's all right, I got it. You know, the only reason I was able to carry this, and I was going to carry it till right now, by the way, the only reason that I was able to carry this thing is because I'm used to carrying that. I was going to go all the way through the sermon till right now, till I dropped that thing. Because I can handle that. I'm used to carrying that. Anybody else, I'm like, oh, oh, please, let's stop, let's stop. I wasn't going to punish anybody else, so I was going to carry the load. See, we try to carry more than we are supposed to, more than we need to. Come unto me, all you who are weary and, and I, and, or heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, my yoke is easy. And in order to understand that, you have to understand what, he meant, what it meant when he wrote it to them originally. We don't have oxen that plow field. They had them then. And you had the main ox on the left side that was pulling most of the load. That ox had done this for years, could do it in their sleep. And the other ox that was beside them was one that was growing up. Now that ox needed to use some energy so it would build up its muscles. If it did nothing, then it would just be weak. And if it was ever, it would never be able to pull the plow by itself. God says the yoke is easy. So when we come to him, he doesn't, it's not like, there God, cool, I don't have to deal with life anymore, now it's all on you. It's not that way at all. We will still be challenged in our life, and thank God that we are. Because, when, because the further that we go, we should be stronger. The further we go, the more weight we, we should be able to carry. And by the way, if you have any desire of ministry, whether it's current or in the future, then this is something you have to be able to do. You have to be able to handle your own business. Carry your own load before God's going to give you anybody else's to help carry. And as a minister, you have to carry the load a little bit. No, no, I don't have to carry the whole thing. There's no way that I could carry the load. I happen to be an active duty army chaplain. No way could I carry everybody's load that they come into my office. But I would tell you that as a, as a minister, a lot of times I feel like a garbage man. Because people come in and they dump their trash in my office or on me. That's okay. I'm going to wallow around in that garbage with them for a little while. And before they leave my office, they're going to feel like their load is lighter. How long am I going to carry that? Not very long. But I'm going to carry it long enough to, to take it to prayer and to take it so that I come up with some answers for them for the next time that they come in the door. That's, that's carrying somebody else's load. And if, I, if my rucksack, if my capacity to deal with life is completely full, how am I going to be able to help anybody else? Someone else is going to come along and I'm going to say, uh, actually... There's this, this is Pastor Mark. He only works on Sundays, so he has a lot of time. <laughs> That's not true. That is not a true statement. I'm only picking on him a little bit because we love each other, and, I'm, and I know that he'll, he's never going to invite me back to preach again. So. so I'm just going for it one time. 
Here's what God does to us, I say. And here's my conclusion. What God does to us today is the same thing that he did with Gideon. See, Gideon, as he went through this process, the end of the story is that Gideon went and he, and he, he, uh, he, he, had a, he called all the people to him. He called all the people to him, and I'm sorry, I have to insert this, even though I just said conclusion. Gideon calls everybody to him. 22,000 people show up. Gideon goes, yeah, yeah, we're going to go get them. And God says, no, I'm sorry, there's too many. So, so he goes, okay, how do I, break, how do I get rid of the, the, some people then? God says, get rid of everybody who's afraid. Everybody who's afraid. So Gideon goes, all right, everybody who's afraid, you're welcome to go on home. Hmm, 12,000 people went home. Gideon's like, ooh, okay, that's not what I was expecting. He goes back in, God says, nope, sorry Gideon, sorry, you still have too many. Uh, but God, we, we, those 12,000 already left. I mean, we're down to this. Sorry, too many. He goes back out there and says, all right, well, you're supposed to separate the people. Run everybody through this stream, and everybody who's, who stops to drink water, put them over here. Everybody who, who, who drinks and laps it up like a dog as they go through, put them over here. They do that. 9,700 here, 300 here. Gideon's like, all right, all right, this will work, this will work. Okay, God, I'm ready. God says, no, no, that's still too many. This is the group that I'm going to use. This is the group that I'm going to deliver, deliver the nation of Israel with, 300 people. Gideon goes, is there somebody else up there I can talk to? I like the big army. What was God doing there? He was breaking down everything that Gideon had and everything that the nation had where they could say, we did it our way, we did it in our own strength. And God, my friends, does not share His power. He does not share His glory. I'm sorry, He does share His power, He does not share His glory. And so when God does things, He's gonna, He doesn't mind if you wait to the end. He'll offer help much earlier, but if you wait to the end, He'll go, okay, it's going to hurt a little bit. But all right, we'll do it. We'll do it. Here, let's, let's load up. Here, we'll do this. And ultimately then, what happens is, instead of, instead of carrying this on with our life, because we've been with God and we've worked it out a little bit, we've whittled it down some. Now, we're still carrying part of this. But this is much lighter. Do you believe me in that? Much lighter than that. It goes back in the rucksack. You see, if all I do is get rid of that, and you know what, I don't need this, and I don't need this thing. I can't believe somebody put that in there. I still have the same ruck. I don't have a greater capacity, or I don't have new capacity to deal with life. I simply have restored capacity to deal with things. And I can handle life. And I can handle other people's things that they send my way. That's what God does with us. So do you want more of God this year? Yeah, but you said that. How many years now? How many times have you said, God, I want more of you. I surrender all. You know what? God understands our failures even as far as spiritual things are concerned. He understands our failures. He understands our heart. 
And it's the heart that God is looking at. Look at David from the Old Testament. Scripture says that David is a man after God's own heart. Are you kidding? That guy was a killer and an adulterer. Woo-hoo! I guess I get to go do those things. No. Honey, you heard me say no on that one, right? Okay. No, no. He was a man after God's own heart because when he made mistakes, now it took him a while to get around to it, but when he finally realized that he made mistakes, he was repentant. And repentance isn't simply, oh, okay, you got me. I won't speed anymore as long as you're watching me, officer. It's not that. It is, I'm changing completely. I'm not even going to drive down that road. I'm not even going to go that direction. Repentance is, I was walking that way, and I turn around and go completely the opposite direction. That's what God calls us to, my friends. So leave the weight behind. Leave the burdens of your past. Even the successes of the past, leave them behind. Don't try to build upon even spiritually great experiences because that is not the foundation that God wants for you to build your life upon. You build your life on your, on, your, on your Savior, on your Jesus Christ. Amen? And here is the conclusion. How do we succeed? We stop procrastinating. We get some discipline. We follow through. We come up with a plan. That's what you have to do, my friends. And God knows your intent. He knows your heart. And if you... We'll, we'll seek to do His will and seek to follow Him. Scripture tells me that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Doesn't that sound like a good place to be, you know, doesn't that sound like a good team to be on? Please stand with me and let's pray.